We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. Not that all of our Caregiver SOS shows aren't fun and exciting. They are, but the kicker to each show, Take 10, is even more so. And each show ends with a topic and a discussion with Jamie Heisman, nationally known psychotherapist, expert on caregiving and addictions, and Carol Zerniel, our co-host here on Caregiver SOS On Air. And Carol, I've got a very interesting topic for this week. Well, the, the topic this week, I, I mentioned before the show that a friend of mine was been caring for her husband for the last couple of years. Uh, he had cancer, and he did pass away this week. Uh, and I was thinking about all of the caregiving work that she did uh, the last couple of years uh, and wondering about caring for someone who is terminal, who's dying, uh, versus caring for someone uh, who maybe has a chronic condition, maybe very severe arthritis, maybe um, you know is disabled, quadriplegic, paraplegic, had a stroke, you know, but but somebody that has a disease that you know is going to pass away ultimately, is there Jamie? Is there an additional skill set that we need when we're dealing with someone who is terminal? Is it is it vastly different? Is it not that different? What would someone, when they've gotten that cancer diagnosis, um, want to have with them in term on in this ca- toolbox. on this toolbox for their caregiving journey? Well, I'm a bit biased, but I think that's the beauty of these conversations that you, Ron, and I have is to kick around ideas, but. My belief system is that chronic conditions like high blood pressure or diabetes or arthritis are lifetime anyway, and something is going to get you, right? And, and therefore, when dealing with like a, um, a chronic illness, if you will, I know that we're see, we see a likely end in sight that's, that has maybe more of a hopeful ending, right? That's what we're trying to say. But at the end of the day... The, the, the caregiver burden, which is something we talked about last week, is, is going to be similar, that if you're not able to provide care for yourself at the, during the time taking care of a chronic illness or a terminal illness, it's going to affect not just yourself, but the person that you're with. Well, one of the things that I noticed in speaking with my friend is that she had had conversation for what happens after he passes. So when the caregiving is done, and so I don't, and maybe that's a bonus that they were actually thinking about that. I think a lot of caregivers, when you're not expecting someone to pass away, you've been taking care of them. They've had, maybe they have COPD or congestive heart failure, um, and and it's it's a little bit of a surprise versus someone you're expecting. So she had the opportunity as a family to talk about what happens next when when her caregiving is finished. I. Love what you're saying, and it's fascinating in America why we have to be really compelled to have that conversation only when we know that it's a terminal illness, right? Um, the more I speak about the five wishes, you know, of advanced directives to, to families, to, to people over 18 years old, the, the more I know that this conversation needs to be happening whether we have a chronic or terminal illness. There's no question 
that this terminal illness of, and again, I'm very sorry for your friend's passing. I, I had a friend pass from melanoma as well, and, it, and it's a very, very tough, tough course. But the fact is that you're right. They have an opportunity to talk, to put some closure, to, to be able to, to allow the caregiver and care, caree to share. And I do think that in terms of complicated grief reactions, which we can get into in, in a minute, that when you do have these conversations and when you have this peace, if you will, if there can be found peace, that you know what the other person's thinking and what to do at the end, it does allow better closure and better boundaries. Yeah, there was an interesting article in the New York Times recently, uh, Sunday, New York Times, that, where a woman was talking about the loss of her sister and how she was very in the moment. When she was with her sister, uh, she said her sister became, as she was dying, she became more like herself, which we say that about the elderly anyway. As you age, you become more like yourself. Um, and But she, in in that moment, when she was with her sister, she took was trying to take the time to to really absorb and, and focus on all of the positive things when, and the normal things, you know, sibling rivalry and, you know, taking jabs at each other, things that they had done all their life. Um, but when she left and when she walked out of that room, you know, she was just overcome with this grief and this sense of loss and that, you know, her sister was the only person in the world who was her champion that was left. Yes, no doubt. And, you know, as I work with seniors and, and not just in psychological issues and therapy, but even on, on addictions, especially, you know, dealing with these grief reactions that you're describing are, are really the key to whether we live a healthy life or we become bogged down and stuck. Um, I do believe we should always plan for end-of-life decisions, whether we're dealing with a terminal illness or a chronic illness. And the, the beauty of your friend's conversation and knowing that they, they could have this talk was it they were forced into it? But as a culture, one of the beauties of mindfulness, if you will, is, is getting in touch you know, with, with the entire specter of life, not seeing death as if it's a negative thing, but as part of life. He's Dr. Jamie Heisman. You're listening to Take 10 on Caregiver SOS On Air. I'm Ron Aaron, along with Carol Zerniel. Uh, you know, Carol and, and Jamie, my mother uh, was caring for my dad. He had dementia. Uh, never fully diagnosed as Alzheimer's, probably was, but it doesn't matter. Uh, but he died suddenly. He, he was in very good health and had a, a brain embolism and dropped dead in their bedroom one day, uh, which was a total shock to her, uh, and it affected her in, in, in a number of ways. One was suddenly she had this big hole in her life. Her days were taken fully caring for my dad, and then she had nothing to do. Well, and, and I think that's really important, and, and you know, we were talking about that just a little bit, hinting that even you know any caregiver, any caregiver that is just giving their all into this caregiving realm or has to do you know 24-7, Jamie, you've talked about post-caregiving, so that we would encourage all caregivers to envision a life for themselves beyond caregiving. It's kind of like empty nest when your kids grow up and they leave and go off to school. Then what are you going to do? Well, they celebrated and they did okay with that <laughs> when my brother Jimmy and I left. But when my dad died, she hadn't thought about it. She hadn't thought about she it. She hadn't planned for it. You know, the complication is this, and we all know cases where somebody passes away and then six months later a loved one will pass away as well. Very common. And because they're not re-engaged back. First of all, the thing we're talking about is complicated grief, where a caregiver loses not just their loved one, who is deep emotionally complex in terms of, of that loss, but they also lose their full-time job. 
And then so they feel their self-esteem is devalued. They feel isolated. They feel like they don't have self-worth. And really they go back out. And literally it's not long before they find they're passing. That's why it's so critical in that time after they've grieved appropriately to keep your arms around them and reconnect them back. And I think what you do at Caregiver SOS, Carol, what we do at WellMed uh, there is exactly the perfect opportunity. Well, and it's important to, you know, we talked about grief in someone who's dying, but uh, you can have grief along the way. You may be grieving, it may not be a terminal illness, but you may be grieving for a person who's functional, they're functionally they're not the same, emotionally they're not the same, uh, you know, psych- psychologically they're not the same. They're, we may, we grieve along the way. It's not a simple one-time process at death. I cannot tell you how important what you just said is. And to your listening audience, I would say this. This is all the more reason why you need a therapist in this process. Because this grief is very private, very unique, and very intimate, just like your, your description of the two sisters. And I think if you can see a therapist once every couple of weeks and bring that grief to the therapist and process it there and leave it there, like we talked about with Caregiver Burden last week, I can tell you that you're going to come back and have strong boundaries and, and good self-care strategies. Well, and it's so nice to have a therapist is a is a wonderful place where you are 100% yourself and that therapist is 100% in your corner. So you can say things that you maybe your friends and family might think are inappropriate. Um, you know, because sometimes we wish somebody who's terminal was, we wish the journey was over. We wish we were done. We just can't do this anymore. And we can say that. We wouldn't might feel embarrassed to say that to anybody else. But a therapist, you can get all of those emotions, the good and the bad, out. How do you I find totally, one? Part, uh, well, I, a number one, you can find it. Tell your listening audience go to their obviously insurance plan. I'm sure WellMed has their group of providers. But if you want to work backwards, go to Psychology Today, where I blog. Put your zip code in in the website and watch the therapist appear on your screen, and then look at what insurance they take. But they will tell you on the screen as they give their overview of whether they work with senior issues, whether they work with caregiver issues, or grief issues. So there should be really no excuse. And and most of them will take Medicare, and and I'd have a therapist as a as a necessary tool in any caregiving experience. Well, you get the last word as a therapist, Carol. I would say Jamie's right on. It, a therapist um, is a great, great asset to have. Thank you. And thanks for listening to Take 10 on Caregiver SOS On Air. Dr. Jamie Heisman, Carol Zernial, and me, Ron Aaron.